Welcome to Bitch Talk, booze and interviews straight from the heart of San Francisco. I'm Erin, that's Shar. We are in studio. It's a cold Monday evening, but we have a very special guest in studio. Um, his name is Chef. I know he hates that, but I'm saying it anyways. <laughs> Chef to David Fu. Um, before we dive in, um, I just want to remind everyone you can find us at bitchtalkpodcast.com. You can also find us every Monday morning from 530 to 6 at bff.fm. Um, two. <laughs> uh, first of all, I watched uh, Top Chef season 15. You were one of our favorites. Thank you. And I was so excited that you were from here. Awesome. And um, then fast forward to uh, the day after Thanksgiving 2018, where my f- now fiance and I had just had a really uh, fun day in North Beach. <laughs> uh, we started the day at Tony's Pizza uh-huh. uh, with family. And um, maybe we were at the bar for a few hours. And then we wound up uh, just cruising the streets of North Beach, kind of just drinking our way through (laughs) and shopping uh, for the holidays. And then we ended up at Sam's Burgers. The best place you can end up. Yes. And we were at the end of the counter. And I was like, oh, my God. I think that's (laughs) Chef 2. And it was. And you were so kind and so nice. And I'm like, you really need to be on my podcast, please. And now here we are. You're Later. So Absolutely. thank you so much for being here. Yeah, mad love to you, Aaron. <laughs> I tell you this for those who aren't in the Bay Area, but in the Bay Area, it's like if you give love, you get love and vice versa. Um, Aaron was super nice and kind. She exuded good vibes. <laughs> it was genuine. It was like 1000%. No question about it. So for those people who, who put that out for me and, 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 and for, for the Bay Area, wherever you're at, you know, I reciprocate that a thousand percent. And yeah. It doesn't matter. That's a universal rule. No matter where you go, you give respect, you get respect. So, well, you had just come off of being on like Channel Seven or something for the for a Thanksgiving episode. Yeah, or? It, was, it was super random. Um, <laughs> my homie Dion Lim, she's a ABC oh, yeah. Seven yeah. news anchor. Shout out to Dion Lim, grinding and hustling all day. That's right. TV, brand new book coming out. That's right. Get at her. Yeah, she just had her uh, her like uh, not opening, but a book release. Right. That's right. Yeah. Like a few weeks ago. Yeah. So, so mad props to her. Shout out to her. She invited me on to. Um, promote my uh my tv show that i had on abc um in 2018 a holiday special called chef's given mm-hmm. um but you know after being in the newsroom getting all nervous and all that stuff being on live tv um i looked at gene and said we need to go get a burger <laughs> <laughs> who's gene so gene's my spouse uh, uh-huh. my beautiful beautiful spouse uh-huh. uh, we've been together for about three years now and um it's only three of infinite years <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love you, babe. And then uh, shout out to Jean. She makes kimchi, by the way, as well, too. So I just followed her today on Instagram. Yeah, so check, I'm check all us about out. it. <laughs> yeah, check us out on Instagram. She's at Kimchi Genius, <laughs> and I'm at Chef Two David Fu. So um, I I want to talk about first before we even talk about Top Chef. That can be later. But Absolutely. can you um, talk about your origin story uh, and your relationship with food? Absolutely. Um, so I'm a first generation Vietnamese American from Oakland, Oakland native. Uh, my parents are from Vietnam, and um, I grew up in West Oakland. Uh, I came from a place where um, food wasn't easily accessible, um, specifically, meaning I grew up in a food desert. Mm. Um, however, interestingly so, my mom had a amazing relationship with food. Um, with our limited resources, she's always committed to having some sort of garden or plant um, in our underdeveloped places that we lived and by doing so 
she has uh, translated that relationship with food to me, and I credit a lot to her and my dad as well to um, the successful career chef that I am. Mm-hmm. Um, so thank you, Mom and Dad. Mad love to you guys. Is it um, correct? Is your dad a fishmonger? Yeah, so my mom, both my parents are laborers. They've been working very hard all their lives. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom is a seamstress, a 30-year seamstress, now retired. Mm. And my dad is the same. He's a 30-year fishmonger. Yeah, and I'm very glad to say that my sister and I together um, are very proud that we can both retire them. So. Oh, that's that's mm-hmm. great. Mm-hmm. Um I was wondering what your aha moment was for you to really concentrate and tell stories about the food of your family and people. Absolutely. Um, I think uh, it was an interesting, interesting aha moment. And I think uh, I came across it because I had a lot of trouble um, understanding what Western food was. In Western food, I'm saying like white people food. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, you can be honest here. You're a bitch French, talk. yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, I was trained. I went to culinary school, learned a lot about French and Italian cooking. Um, and even though I felt like I did it well, um, I worked for some pretty prestigious restaurants. Um, at, at least, you know, that's what people say or call them. Mm-hmm. Um, I would prefer to leave, to leave them nameless. Okay. Um, but I didn't. Even though I, I, I cooked the food well, I couldn't, I don't think I understood it. You know, like if you showed me something, I could replicate it. I can make it taste exactly the way or close to exactly the way it was meant to be. Mm-hmm. But I never understood the origins of it, the sensibilities of it. So, for example, you give me spaghetti bolognese. I could do it. And my only reference point is the chef that taught me how to cook it. Mm-hmm. But there was no like cultural lineage or emotional excitement, at least for me, on why that dish was so exciting. Because the way that chef taught me how to cook spaghetti bolognese, opposed to using salt, I would have used fish sauce. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Opposed to opposed to adding more onions, I, I probably would add tofu. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and the noodles... Um, you know, I probably would have used a different type of noodle, you know. So, in opposed to adding butter, I would have had, I probably wouldn't have butter at all. <laughs> right. Um, so, those were the things that I weren't getting. I, I wasn't getting. I understood it, but I truly, deeply didn't, um, I couldn't connect. Mm-hmm. And because I had that trouble in connecting and understanding food, it can, it, it always brought me back to cooking the food that my mom and my father cooked for me. And I, I, just let me stop it there. I just want to be very clear that food is all speculative. Like, hmm. what tastes delicious, you're taught to understand what tastes delicious. So, for example, my mom taught me to love bitter, like bitter herbs, like basil, rosemary, parsley, mint, all those bitter herbs. I loved it. I eat it like, I eat it like an ox eats grass. <laughs> mm-hmm. However, other people don't like that. Like, skins in a bitter melon... I love it. Mm. My mom taught me to love that. However, like in a French kitchen, they say peel your cucumbers because it's bitter. So I had an understanding. I had a different perspective on what I appreciate about food in comparison to another culture. Um, And 
after about 15 years in cooking in commercial kitchens and chefs and cooking in New York and here in the West Coast, it came back full circle to cooking with my parents because that's what I missed the most. Mm. Um, and I just kind of went with my what was in my blood, what was in my DNA on, on, on what I thought the ways things should be seasoned. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So like I said, like opposed to grabbing salt, I'll grab fish sauce. Yeah. So stuff like that. So you were moving, you moved from the West Coast to the East Coast and then East Coast back to West Coast. Yep. Mm-hmm. And during that time when you came back, that's when it was kind of like, what am I doing? I should go back to my roots. I think when I came back to the West Coast, I worked for a restaurant that, um, a, a, an amazing restaurant in the East Bay mm-hmm. um, that ha- that was very progressive. Mm. Um, everything was organic. And that was like the first real time that I had free realms to kind of put full contribution into the menu. And by doing so, I naturally kind of reached down to my own roots to cook the food that I wanted to cook. But for some reason, um, by doing so, um, me cooking Vietnamese food was very conflicting with their California-style cuisine. Right. Um, and it was a conflict of interest. Mm-hmm. And... Um, you know, I I think me as a younger chef then was I got really pissed off. <laughs> yeah, because someone's telling me I can't be me. Yeah, um, and it took for someone to tell me that I couldn't be me. And res- respect to them, it's it's their business. Mm-hmm. You know, I I had no business in trying to change them into something else. Mm-hmm. It's their business. It's their money. It's their risk. All that stuff. But it took someone to tell me that I couldn't be me for me to dive into exploring. Um, what my native tongue is, my native palate, my, uh, you know, the story of my family and why we eat the foods that we eat. And, um, um, you know, it just, it's, it opened this, uh, it opened up this whole Pandora's box of, of things that, uh, in stories that my family and my parents that I never knew of, um, for, you know, just FYI, my parents are Vietnamese immigrants they're from Fukuok Island mm-hmm. um, it's the most southern tip you can go and um, being in that region themselves they were a part of two wars let alone one Wow! so it's, people call it the Vietnam War I call it the Vietnam and American War because mm-hmm. there was more than one war in Vietnam mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> right yeah um, and then the second war was um, there was a Vietnam and Cambodia War where mm. The Khmer Rouge tried to encroach in the most southern region of Vietnam to reclaim, quote unquote, Cambodian territory. Mm-hmm. Um, but them experiencing both, they have massive PTSD. Mm. And the conversations about their history and our family stories, um, expressing love and all that stuff. And I, I, I'm pretty sure a lot of other first, second, third generation um, boat kids can relate as well, too. Mm-hmm. Um, but those stories were never had, and those stories were revisited um, because I was cooking with my parents. Good. You know, no, mm-hmm. you know the interesting thing was that when they would uh, when when they would introduce a recipe, um, it wasn't like a recipe that's introduced on Food Network where right. uh, <laughs> I'm doing Sicilian pasta today yeah. and like Sicilian pasta is from this region and these people. Um, because of war, my parents ended up in a lot of different places. I think one of the first places they landed was Thailand. And one of my favorite dishes they cooked growing up was my mom and dad would make pad thai. Mm. 
And I never knew as a kid that Pad Thai was a Thai thing. <laughs> right. Because they would just make it. They didn't call it Pad Thai. They called it food. Like, here, eat. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I'm a five-year-old. Like, yeah. five-year-olds in the 90s aren't like five-year-olds in like, 2019. <laughs> right. No. You know, kids are like competing yep. and cooking. Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> but, but I knew it was delicious. So I revisited those conversations with my parents. I'm like, why are we cooking Pad Thai? Mm-hmm. And then the stories about them being in a refugee camp and... The struggles and how they ended up there just kind of naturally came about. Wow! So it's it's this, it's this. It was it was this, um, beautiful accident that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and I felt that the universe gave me this beautiful gift of of trials and tribulations to get to this point where um, I was able to find out more about myself, more about my parents, and more about. I think in learning about myself and learning about my parents, I was able to, uh, it helped me have perspective about the world and I'm, I'm forever grateful for, for, for that period of my life. So, and, and how does, how do your family and how do, how do your parents feel about your new trajectory and where you're going with food and Check celebrity and, <laughs> Hey, I mean, it is a part of being a Top Chef alumni a little check, bit. Check, 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 check this out, right? <laughs> I told my dad, my dad didn't know what Top Chef was. Right. Whatever, right? I told my dad I was going to be on Top Chef. You know what he said? He's like, you're going to get a check from me? Exactly. I was about to say, he's going to ask how much he got paid. Yeah. Yep. You know, and, and, and I don't know about other families, but in my Vietnamese family, fame don't mean shit. Yeah. <laughs> Not unless there's some zeros behind it. Not unless there's some zeros about it. But yeah. I think if anything... Um, uh, they, I don't think my parents, I think my parents' proudest moment was a moment where, an opportunity where I was doing some documentary filming for a project for CamFest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they were able to watch it. I think in that moment, they were their most proudest because it wasn't about money. It wasn't about, it wasn't about fame. It was, I think it was more so that in that moment, I could see in their eyes, in their tears, that they understood, that I understood their struggles and everything they sacrificed for. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the most important thing, more than anything. I mean, generically so, all, all parents want their kids to be doctors and make millions or whatever, right? Right. I, yeah, I think yeah, so. I think so, but I think in that... Immigrant mo- parents, for sure. Immigrant parents, but I think in that moment, there there was something that my parents um that specific thing overwhelmed my parents with joy i think you well know? you're kind of um i don't know you're cracking that shell of we're all asian here some version of asian yeah and we just don't talk about things oh yeah you know mm-hmm. you just you don't talk about it mm-hmm. and because um, it's painful it's painful right and um they don't want to go there. And you're you're really lucky. I have to tell you, I lost my father in 2007, and we never had those conversations. And now I'm like, mm-hmm. damn it, I have to go back and ask different family members about yeah. different things and how, you know, his parents ended up here in Chinatown in the early 1900s. Like, right. it's a thing. So you, you you're doing your, the work. You, you did your due diligence, which is, I, I applaud you for that. It's, and it takes a lot of work. Right. Yeah. Um, you, you know what's interesting? Sometimes it's not intentional as well, too. My, my father... Um, most amazing, intelligent man that I know, but my father was illiterate for the longest time. Mm. Um, I think he, I think my mom didn't know he couldn't read. Wow! Up until and write, up until 
um, they escaped Vietnam and they ended up in a refugee camp in Thailand. And the officers there asked my dad to write his own name and he couldn't do it. You know, my, my parents came, especially my dad, came from a very rural place. Mm-hmm. Like they were super fucking poor. Mm-hmm. Um, especially uh, my dad's side of the family because he was working ever since he was like, what, 10 years old? Yeah. Um, Maybe younger. <laughs> but but in that, you know, I, I, I applaud the amazing man that he has become uh, to raise two kids and have a son that's on Top Chef and have a daughter <laughs> yeah. that runs HR and healthcare, all that stuff, right? Yeah. So it, it, it's an amazing story. But And living in Oakland. And living in Oakland. Um, <laughs> but, but consider this is that, and I, I, I think we want to always think of our parents as absolutely our heroes and our champions, but I, th- I think there's always opportunities to um, withhold from that sometimes and look at our parents as actual people because our parents do make mistakes. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's opportunities for us to save our parents as well, too, mm-hmm. you know, and vice versa. Uh, my father didn't come to the realization um, that my grandfather died from Agent Orange until recent conversations in this past two years about my grandfather. So my grandfather, the story of my grandfather was ever since I was little, everyone said that he passed away because he worked too hard. Okay. That was the story. That was the story. Mm-hmm. And no one ever knew why he passed away. I asked, I would go back to Vietnam like every year and ask my aunties about it all the time. They said they didn't know. He just passed away because he worked too hard. Mm-hmm. But as we start to, as the years progress and as I get older, as we piece the stories together, um, we start to understand that it was Agent Orange. Mm. And you know, like Agent Orange in the Vietnamese community, that conversation wasn't public knowledge until, up until like the past decade. Because no one in the Vietnamese diaspora space talked about Agent Orange right. at all. Right. It was just a thing, mm-hmm. you know? And then it wasn't until people, Ken Burns started to have a documentary about it. Right, yeah, yeah. It, it wasn't in the news anywhere. They no. wouldn't talk about it on Vietnamese news channel. It was, it was this, 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 this secret. It just happened. It just happened. Mm-hmm. And you move, you move on. So the story is, my, my, my father's about 10 or 11 years old. Mm-hmm. He's logging... He's logging. Uh, I guess he was sick that year. Uh, he was sick that day, and my uh, and his little brother went with my grandpa. They were up in the hills, and a plane flies by, and sprays Agent Orange yep. all over the fields, mm-hmm. and he gets sprayed with it, and he jumps into the river to rinse himself off for about twelve hours because it's burning. Yes, yeah. And he dies like within a few days, mm. and I think. For for their understanding in that village at that time, in that moment, in that year, in that decade, in that era, they couldn't connect the two pieces that something that you can spray on you could kill you. Right. You know, they didn't mm-hmm. know what it was. Right. Um, and it wasn't until years and years later of piecing things together that my dad finally realized that was Agent Orange. Because, you know, over the course of the years, he gets informed as well, too, mm-hmm. about what happened in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. Um, and it came across in a very casual conversation while we were driving in a car. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that's how it happens sometimes. That's how it usually happens. Yeah. And, and I think that's the thing. It's that I think if you don't know who you are, and this is for everyone who's immigrant and non-immigrant, I can guarantee you if you don't know who, know who you are, you don't know your own history, it immediately leads to self-shame. Because you don't know why you exist you don't know your story. You don't know your contribution. You don't know what legacy you're continuing. Um, 
and oftentimes, like myself and friends alike, because I didn't know who I was, it led me astray to do other things. Mm. If it wasn't crime, it wasn't being bad, it was falling in love with another culture. Right. And I think I love hip hop, but I think for me, hip hop was that void for me. And I think a lot of other Asian American kids as well, too, mm-hmm. was that we fell in love with hip hop is because we didn't know. We had this complete void of who we were. I grew up in San Leandro. I'm a little older than you. But... Drotown. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I grew up in the age of hip-hop, and I loved hip-hop. Right. And, yeah. and my co-host, too. And it was kind of the most identifiable thing, yeah. like closest to what who we were and what we looked like. And Absolutely. now looking back on it, it's like, well, it's because there was a void. There was a huge void. There was no Asian-American Asians in general that had any kind of uh, careers or that we got to see on TV or look like us. So that was, I don't know, that was the closest thing. You're right. Hip-hop gave us gave us culture. Hip-hop gave us language to speak. Yeah. You know, hip-hop gave us history. So. Right. So interesting, right? Yeah. yeah. Dude. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> shit. I, I, I struck a nerve on that no, one. No, I just, I knew this was going to be a, like a really, I don't want to say good, I don't want to pat myself on the back, but I just, you're really heartfelt and I love it. Okay, like you, you just, so yeah. You're, you're, you're back right there. <laughs> You're a genuine guy, and I like that. Um, I am going to switch gears a little bit to Top Chef because that's the first time I ever saw you and, and knew about your story. But how did that change your life? First of all, um, for those of you who don't know, um, every time I have an opportunity to speak publicly, I, I give a shout-out to Fati. Fati is um, one of our co-chefs. I had yeah. her, yep. Yep. I always I have to put that first. One of our co-chefs that passed away this past year. Yep. Um, you know, rest in peace to Fati. And she was she was bound to be the next next like Melissa King. Mm-hmm. And she never got to celebrate the success that she would have had from the show. Um, um, mainly due to cancer. And she found out she had cancer the day that um, the cast of Top Chef was announced nationally. So, you know, rest in peace to her. Um, love you, Fatih. We miss you. It was, um, if, if you don't mind, I actually um, saw her on the Food Network, like, yeah. I think years before, Chopped. and like, on Chopped, and I really liked her then, and when I saw that she was a part of that cast, I was like, rad, because I really, yeah. I really enjoyed her story, so she, thank you for bringing her up, because she was in my notes, so Absolutely. I, lo- I love Fatih, and we all do, and, you know, um, I, if anything, I'd say I, I am blessed. We are all blessed to have... Um, her as a sister, her as a co-chef, a friend, um, to be a part of that with her. Um, she has inspired us all, um, you know, just through 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 the process of cancer and even through the show. I, I tell you this, she's the happiest person that I've ever seen or met in my life. And, you know, it made me reflect to appreciate and enjoy life Um you know, because if you count all the negatives, there's always more negatives in life. Um, but she, she truly, truly um, um, was probably the happiest soul I'll, I'll ever know. So, you mm-hmm. know, rest in peace, Fatih. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you guys met on Top Chef and you guys seemed like you had a really good family on that show. We argue. We fought. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, that's family, right? We argue. We fought on families. But to, to this day, I could say that... Um, 
we all have great rapport and we still connect. It's it's a little bit harder to connect with all the chefs. Yeah, of course. In Alaska and Chicago, but right. you know, there's 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 every few months we'll send a group text to each other and say what's up. Good. Um, but I tell you this: uh, the way this show affected us and me specifically, um, it it changed my life. Um, just getting onto the show, yep. if you're cognizant of it, gives you an international, if not national, exposure. Your story can be told. And if you leverage it appropriately, um, it could change your life. But if you sit on your hands and don't do anything and mope because you didn't win, <laughs> um, you're going to miss out on a lot of opportunity. But I'll tell you something, you know. <laughs> We here if we from the Bay, you know? <laughs> yes. I'm from Oakland. Yeah. Yes, So we you are. grind and hustle out here. Well, I was going to say you were hustling before Top Chef, and I feel Had like to. you're hustling harder after Top Chef. Had to, you know? Like, yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's one of those things where I like to say this to my team. I like to say this to my homies and my colleagues and my homegirls and everything, and both. Homies is unisex. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> it is. Right? Homies is unisex out here. Um, But- like a lot of my friends, I, I know what dirt tastes like. You know, when you, when you know what dirt tastes like, you don't want to taste it again. Mm. So for me, every opportunity is an opportunity to guarantee for that day, for that month, for that week, whatever it is, for me not to taste dirt. So if I if I have a little extra, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna grind and hustle. Because mm. uh, I I tell you this, man, the universe can only do so much for you. The universe gives you an opportunity, but you gotta. For that for that opening window of opportunity, there could be ten million other people in the world that wants that same spot, and you got to prove to your universe, let alone yourself, why you deserve that spot. And, and I'm telling you, I'm I'm hungrier than most. I I may not be the best, but I tell you, I'd be damn. I'm quote Will Smith here. I love <laughs> Will Smith, man of the year, man of the man of the century. Right. Um, I'd be damned if anybody worked harder than me. You know so. I mean, I feel like we can end it there. <laughs> Drop the mic. Right. Um, 2020 is coming up. Yep. And you got a lot of projects on your plate. Yep. T- tell us what's happening. I think, Without um, giving too many spoilers. I think 2020, I, I, I think the 2000s, the 2010s is the year of the entrepreneur. And I think more than ever, it's been easier Thank you, legal, uh, thank you, legal Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no kidding. To LLC and do your own things and to have access to to SBAs as well too, Small Business Administration mm. to to incorporate. And I think um, you know, in in my opportunities in this past few years, that's what I did. So I, I created three entities: one's a media, one's a brand, and the other ones I'm creating food products. So in 2020. Um, I'll be del- um, as of now as well too, but more so in 2020, you'll be able to see some grocery products um, oh. that I create out of my own out of my own line out of my own company. So okay, um, and that's 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 further embellished with my um, healthy relationship with Whole Foods. So awesome. Um, the second thing is um, I, three years ago I opened up a media company um, to do food media content, and at the moment. We have two TV series on the horizon. It's Oakland-based. It's about community. It's about culture. Um, but if you want more details, you guys got to follow me on Twitter and Instagram. I ain't saying nothing. <laughs> but Fine. You know what? We don't have the exclusive, but you know sort what? of. Aaron got it, though. Yeah. Aaron got it, though. 
Someone else told me, so that's all I'm going to say. Um, you know what? I'll, I'll give a little bit more because Aaron's such such a cool homie. <laughs> um, but uh, we're working on two series, One, the first of which is called First Kitchen. And it's about, it's a TV show, 30-minute series, episode TV show, um, 12, uh, 12 episodes per series um, about people's relationships with uh people's relationship with food um specifically taste and it's in all different spectrums all different perspectives we go everywhere from prison to a farmer to a chef to mothers and we're highlighting and giving people voice who usually don't have voice in the food industry and in layman's terms i think we're kind of tired of seeing um chefs male Mm -hmm. tell us all about food so we're we're reversing the microphone cool so um, the other one's called Try This, and it's about ingredients, and it's about de-exotifying ingredients. Because I'm tired of seeing Asian ingredients in in fine dining scenarios and setups. Mm-hmm. Um, because those ingredients don't come don't come from a fine dining complex. It comes from mothers. It comes from fathers, and those are the ones um, mothers, fathers, farmers, ranchers, whatever. And those are the people who bring the ingredients to our table. And I think they the, they are the ones who should be storytelling. Mm-hmm. Um, look out for both. We're going to be coming strong and hard. So, dude. Well, we're going to have you back on in 2020. Awesome. When everything is coming out, maybe we can host something. I don't know. My, we'll my help you something. My verbal commitment to bitch podcast right yeah. now. Like you guys, will be, you guys will have the the premiere. You know? Cool. <laughs> well, us and Dion Lim. So awesome. it's fine. She, I mean, she's on ABC. So. Shout out Dion. Yeah. <laughs> Give her that. Mm-hmm. Um, sh- uh, I was going to say chef again, but I'm not going to. It's all good. Uh, two. Where can everyone find you? Um. You guys could find me in Oakland. Um, right now, um, I'm experimenting with food, and I'm doing it as a pop-up on 40th and Broadway. Um, I do Bun Mini, which is a, a, a cross between a Bun Mi and Panini. Nope, mm. I don't want to hear your opinion about it. That's what I want to do. <laughs> you want to have an opinion, come through, check it out, eat it, and then we can talk. All right. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's Tuesday through Friday. And then on Saturdays, I do a chicken pho pop-up with um, pasture-raised chicken. You know, so we do we do it as clean as best as we can do. Um, we had our first chicken fall pop up last Saturday, and it sold out in about an hour and a half. Of course. So come this Saturday, come early, check us out. We're at the Copper Spoon venue. That's on 40th and Broadway at 4031. We're right next door to Brenda's. You guys know where Brenda's at. I don't need oh to yeah, tell you guys. no, yeah. <laughs> everyone knows where Brenda's is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then on the socials, come check me out. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, it's all at chef2davidfood.com. And then uh, if you guys want to see my uh, website, content, videos, and all that stuff, recipes, um, go to www.chef2.com. That's it. Thank you so much for being here. Awesome. You're welcome. That was my interview with to David Fu. He is an amazing person. <laughs> I don't even know. Like, yes, he's a chef, but he's doing so much more. He's so. such he's a he's a very he's got he's got a very cool vibe. Yes. He's 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 a sweetheart and um Yeah, I'm really excited about going to Oakland now. I know. <laughs> yeah, I mean I'm serious about we need to have him back no, on that's... the show, especially with Ange. And well, uh, she's gonna love him. I'm guessing we had this conversation off the air because we started talking about recording from his pop-ups. Yeah, yeah. And that just 
that's totally up our alley. Yeah, I was like, yeah, I'm gonna eat pho. Like, uh, duh. Yeah, yeah. Whatever you want. Pho Whatever that, you want to give us. Pho that was so good that it sold out in an hour and a half. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, he's making moves, and but he's so thoughtful about it. That's why I like the guy. So um, he's he's a storyteller. Yeah. For sure. No, for sure. To the point where, like, when we were saying that we're gonna have him on more. Yes. That's no joke because he was talking to us and there were things that he was he was talking about and showing us awesome things yeah. beforehand. Yep. The and Sharon and I are like, don't talk about uh, no 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 save, save it save it. it. Air, but, but he's he's just so he's it, prolific. It's the first time I've met him and right. you've met him once before. So is most people I'll, I'll I'll yell at him and go save it for the air. But right. I was just like, dude, but all the stuff that he was telling us was so interesting. So you wanted to keep listening. Yeah. And then I'm like. Well, that'd be really good on the air. Uh, we should probably yeah. start recording. Soon. Well, I wondered if you pressed, re- like, if you were just rolling a little bit, but I should have. I totally should have. But there was stuff that he shared that we uh, wouldn't have been able to post. So that's true. Yeah, very true. But um, thank you so much, uh, too. That was that was a great, um, it's a great first episode and I- interview on Bitch Talk, and we will have you back again. Uh, don't forget, you can find us at bitchtalkpodcast.com when you're looking up our 400 plus episodes. And uh, you can also find us every Monday morning at bff.fm from 530 to 6. We are powered by GoTo Productions. Bitch, please.